Hey guys, this is Brian from A Hero's Journey Podcast. Uh, shout out to our sponsors, SP Inc., JPS Computers, and Red Rock Harley Davidson. Those listening at rockrageradio.com, thank you so much. As they say, we are everywhere. Chase, this is a special episode. Um, I was a guest on Adam's show on Gritability. 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 There we go. Yeah, yeah. I like that you jumped in on that. And so. Uh, you guys don't know everything about me. And I thought instead of, you know, having an episode where I just sit and talk and tell kind of my story, um, we got into that quite a bit on Adam's show. It's Adam Clausen, correct? That is correct. And uh, Adam's a great guy. He has a great story. I'm going to have him on as a as a guest here real soon. But we're going to do this in, in two parts. So um, for this week's episode, I am a guest on Gridability. And this is part one. So again, thank you guys so much. And I hope you enjoy this special edition of Gridability and Hero's Journey podcast. Today changes my whole entire life. Welcome to Gridability, a podcast about the power of perseverance, overcoming seemingly insurmountable odds to attain the life of your dreams. I'm your podcast host, Adam Clausen, and with me today in the studio is Brian Hopkins, lead singer of Elvis Monroe. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Dude, I'm excited. Thank you, Adam. I really appreciate it. Uh, I was saying this off camera that you and I have purposely not had a conversation just so we could have a conversation on camera and... I love that sense of um, discovery, you know, when you're sitting here, it's like going and having coffee with someone and learning about them, but, you know, others can be inspired by the story, so it's pretty cool. Very yeah. cool. Um, yeah, I've been looking forward to this for a while, and I'm grateful that we were able to nail it down and get in here together today. So honestly, knowing very little about your background, but similarly, like hearing your story, I was really uh, hoping to get in here today and, and us just have a conversation. Oh, yeah. And you give me some of the background. George okay. gave me a little bit behind the scenes oh, before, yeah. before we got started. So I, I hear that there is a lot in your background. Uh, yeah, there is. You know, I'm the lead singer of a band called Elvis Monroe. I started this with my uh, bandmate, Ben Carey, and you might know him from a band called Lifehouse. Um, you and me hanging by a moment all these huge songs they've got i think 15 or 16 top 20 or top 30 hits and two massive uh songs as well but he's my best friend i write all, the, all these songs with and i get to have a life um that i've you know i've dreamt of as a kid i grew up in oregon i'm an ex-athlete uh you know, who was just searching for that thing. I've never drank or done drugs. I've never, I don't know what alcohol tastes like. I've never had a drug in my body. Really? I had a wisdom tooth, you know, my wisdom teeth pulled. And only when I found out it was Tylenol with codeine, I didn't take it. You wow. know what I'm saying? So those kinds of things. And it's, it's, I'm Native American Indian. So I know that, that this, there, well, on both sides of my family, it's unfortunately alcoholism is something that is dealt with heavily. Um, and I knew at the age of eight years old, uh, I'm not going to drink or do this. And I now want more for myself. Um, and sports was my way out. 
And so I grew up in Oregon and ended up in, in uh, California, which, man, we would need like five hours to get into the things that, and, and how I landed in this seat. But um, I'm giving you the abbreviated version, you know, like a, being an ex-athlete who got, got hurt and you know, you know, it's, oh, there's, there's already so much. Yeah. I want to start yeah, with please. that, with that one. You said at eight years old, like you made a decision new right then. What was it that was so impactful to make that lifelong decision? Um, you know, it's easy. It's, it sticks out with me. Um, and that is, I had witnessed so many things. My parents were young. They had me at 16 years old. And mm -hmm. so, um, my dad and mom, you know, they were kids. They were in their early 20s, and here I am, eight. And I'd already witnessed enough things where my dad was one of the, my dad's a great guy. Uh, and he was young, and he was always the, hey, go stay at Grandpa Rocky's house, or um, Uncle Rocky's house, and, um, and, and Aunt Terry's to learn discipline to learn, you know, go with, stay with them for the summer. My cousins and stuff would all come stay with us. Yet my dad's the youngest brother in his family, but he was a functioning alcoholic. He was somebody who could, was drinking heavily on the weekends and going to work, doing his job, coming home, raising four kids. But on the weekends, like if we got a new TV or something and he and my mom got into an argument, instead of putting hands on my mom or whatever, he's punching the walls or he'd break the TV or he would, I remember him fixing up this old truck and I go out to the garage to try and take the bat away from him because he's beating up the car because you know, it, it's, it was something he dealt with, but my dad, like come to find out later, my dad um, dealt with things like um, he was in the military, a Marine, I wear his dog tag, you know, my dad's a Marine and I would find him at two, three o'clock in the morning, drunk and crying, you know, and it's because in Vietnam, he was supposed to go over and because he had me, you know, um, he didn't, they didn't send him over and he was the platoon leader, tank driver. He, you know, and none, none of his friends in his platoon came back. Mm -hmm. And so he wow. held this sense of, uh, survivor's remorse. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't know until later, figured it out later on when I had conversations. I have a great relationship with my parents. My family is really tight. But I knew when my dad was sitting on the, on the porch and I'm reading the lyrics. My dad was a singer in a band as well. And uh, I'm making sure he's singing the right lyrics. And then he asked me to go grab him a beer. So I run to the refrigerator, grab him a beer, hand it to him, and he said, you know, that wasn't fair of me. I asked you to go, go grab me a beer. I can do it myself. And two, one day you're going to want a drink, and I, want, I don't want you to hide it from me. It's gonna, that day's going to happen, and I, I need you to be safe. I need you to just be honest with me, open. And I looked at him and said, I'm, I'm never drinking. You don't have to worry about that with me. And he said, why? I said, because I don't want to do this to my kids or my wife or my girlfriend or myself. And he just looked at me in awe. And I'm, and I'm like, you're great. I love you. But I just don't want 
to repeat this. And I mean, I'm eight years old. Wow. What, and, a, what and new. an insight, even at that early yeah, age. Uh, but it was just, but I'm also uh, the oldest of four. So at eight years old, I had a six-year-old brother, uh, five-year-old sister, Angel. So Cody, Angel, and Buffy. And, and uh, uh, my sister was, the youngest Buffy was three. So my job was to look out for them. And my dad did everything he could to make sure that I was, I got all the things that I needed. Um, but I was the oldest of four and my job was to make sure that they were safe, you know? So that, that right there, it just, and it just stuck. And George knows this. I mean, I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm an athlete. Yep. And so, you, could sling you, it. you know, that, but that, that, uh, that whole thing I knew as a kid growing up that that was my way out. And if you're across town and people compared you and me, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Football and baseball. Yep. And, um, and I played basketball too, but as I got older, I separated the two and I was a quarterback and then, and then I was a pitcher and played shortstop and then first base and it was crazy. And, uh, just, just to cut in there. Yeah. Quarterback and pitcher. I'm, I'm catching. You were also at eight years old. The protector of oh, yeah. your yeah. siblings, like you've been a leader from a very young age. So this was some of what I was curious, like to get that background. So what did that look like in sports when you separated the two high school things start getting serious? Oh yeah. Like it was, it was one of those things where I needed to be the guy in charge of winning or losing. Mm, and, okay. and I would take that responsibility that rode on me. And I was okay with that. You know, because if somebody else, somebody else was leading the charge and we failed and and that meant I failed, then now I'm going to take the responsibility. It's got to be on me. And, um, and, and baseball was, you know, it's a team sport and I, I love being a team player. I'm in a band. I don't want it to be the Brian Hopkins show. I want it to be a band. I love being the leader of the band. I'm the lead singer, songwriter. This again, it's that thing and the thing that I was chasing and not drinking or doing drugs. I'm chasing a high that people don't have. You only see it on TV. You see it in the movies on the big screen. You go to concerts, you pay for tickets and your night out is to go see somebody do what they do. Well, that's what I do. And so I've been chasing that my entire life. And that's, that's who I am. And that carried over. That's what I'm saying. Not drinking, doing drugs, those kinds of things. Just, I was going to outdo you across town or in the next state or 3,000 miles away. I was going to outwork you, but I was also not going to be at the parties on the weekend. I was not going to get into any trouble doing anything outside of, I needed an edge all the way around. Those were the things that... That, that was my goal as a kid. And I knew that. I was pitching at, the, my dad said I had to throw, you know, every other day at a tire that he built and a mound and he taught me how to do it. And by the time I'm 10 years old, I'm out playing all the team. I'm out playing them and they have to put me with the 12 year olds. I can't even make the all-star team because I'm too young, but I'm the best player. And so that was me going through my, my you know, childhood and high school, and I was a kid who, I'm 6'3", you know, and I knew everyone. I knew the, the guys in the leather jackets smoking weed, you know, in the, around the corner, the, the, the people in the 
glee club and the doing the plays and those kinds of things. I knew the athletes. And, but I ate by myself. I, went, I walked around the school by myself, and I was comfortable with that. I didn't need a group of friends to, to know who I was. And, um, and I was different. Like, I was, you know... Clearly. Yeah. Clearly. Those, those are things, like, what you're describing as someone who, you know, I had a lot of potential in my youth. Mm. Athletics were central to my identity. I see that in you today. I follow <laughs> you on social media, and I'm like, ah, oh, like, he's out working me right now. I feel uh, bad. I got to get out of bed, <laughs> you know? And I'm seeing what you and the wife were doing, you know? So, yeah. And that's, that's what motivates me. Still that same level of competition, but at a young age, like myself looking back now, I didn't have that same drive. I wanted to play. I didn't necessarily wanted to put in the same level of work. Mm -hmm. I could go out and shoot around for hours by myself, but to do it in a disciplined manner, which it sounds like you had that early on and to be able to take on that responsibility, say, listen, I want to lead. I want to be responsible mm -hmm. for us winning or losing. Yep. And likewise, at the same time, you're talking about being able to walk alone. Yeah. Like, I don't know too many people who are capable of like finding that in themselves, that level of identity at such an early age. Like, this was what I was really yeah. curious to hear because you know the things that you've done are absolutely amazing. Thanks. And I'm always looking for the blueprint. Like, what, right. what, what can I learn? What's it? What What's the makeup? And that's the thing. And I, I get that. And you asked me that question before we got here, and I'm like, oh, I don't know, but I know who I am, you know, and I know that that's, those are the things that I had to do to be better. An example, I remember a high school coach, um, and to this day, I gave him credit. I was standing in front of 3,000 kids doing a show, and I'm like, there are, I, I did this thing, I put together a thing called the You Choose Tour. And I went to these schools, my old schools, Alaska, California. And I put together a thing sharing that, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm standing here playing a song that you know that's on the radio. But, and I'm just like you. I'm, I went to this school or I went to the school across town or whatever. And, or I went to, I'm just like you in this Alaska school in a small town. You can have big dreams. And this is what I get to do. Oh, and by the way, I've never drank or done drugs and nobody could talk me into doing something that I didn't want to do because there's enough problems as a teenager that you have to deal with, uh, you know, already. And I knew that then before social media, before all those things, when I was in school and a coach that had an influence on me, a teacher that had an influence on me and I didn't get great grades. I got passing grades and because I was so focused on the athletics side of stuff and being a good person. Um, and those kinds of things like resonated with me. So I'm standing in front of the school saying this, and it made me think of a time that I'm doing, we're raising money for jerseys and I'm going from, from house to house collecting bottles and cans. This coach clearly, he comes from a family of money and they own the jewelry store, all these things in town. And he's a coach and a teacher. And I'm the only one there because I went to where Rich could school. And we, we were the ones at the bottom of the hill. 
not at the top of the hill, you know, but we, I got into that school, went to that school to, to play sports. They wanted me there. And he looks at me and said, I, I want you to go to this baseball camp. And I'm like, oh, yeah? And he tells me how much it is. And he might as well said it was $10,000. It didn't matter because the amount of money was not happening. And I wasn't going to ask my parents for it or even put that burden on them to even think that they're letting me down. And he goes, you should go, though. This is, I really want you there. And it was all the, these kids from all over the state and uh, a whole week. And I'm like, well, that's wishful thinking. I show up. Uh, my mom said, there's an envelope here with your name on it and it's sealed. And it's got cash and the application. And he had given me the money wow. to, to go to this camp, which would have been against all kinds of rules. But it didn't have his name on it. And I knew where it came from, you know. So I signed up for the camp. And they gave out two awards, a pitching award and a hitting award. And there was 300 kids there. And I walked out with both. And neither one of them, <laughs> they, they, you know, this is their camp, you know, pitching leader. And, and I walked out with both awards. And it came back. And I'm like, they only gave out two awards, 300 kids. And I got them both. And um, so that kind of thing was I was going to make the most out of all these things. And, um, and that's, that's who I am to today. Like I got in my car and moved from Oregon when baseball went away from me. I got hurt. I got drafted, being drafted out of high school, went to college, got hurt in college, went to Alaska to work on just work and get away from ball. I, I don't, I don't want to jump yeah, past that please. because it's, a lot of times it's those injuries yeah. that become defining moments yeah. in a negative way. Yeah. Clearly that's not the case yeah. here. So what was it that happened and, and how did you then deal with that injury? I, I got, I was pitching in a state championship American Legion ball and um, in a game one of a seven series and I hurt myself throwing a slider and there were 2000 plus people there, TV and everything. And I stood there crying on the mound knew that I had the guy 0-2 and threw a hard slider um, outside of the plate and on purpose, and I heard a pop. And, uh, mm. and I knew I'm screwed. Like, and I tried to pitch one more time, and I was in pain. And, um, and I was done for that time, but there was a coach there that in Clackamas County, this coach um, was like, I want you as a ball player. Like, I'll give you a full ride still. And, um, and he's like, but do you think you can be able to pitch at some point? And I went, and I went to play third base for him and hit. And I was hitting 593, which is a, that's a big number, you know. And so I'm like, uh, you know, I, I, I hope so. And so I stacked the team. And he's like, well, I need an ace pitcher. I need... I'm like, I got a guy, I know I played against him, let's find out where he's going. Can you give him a scholarship? And he'll only come if his best friend can have a scholarship, but he doesn't play sports. And so got his best friend, then grabbed two other guys against, you know, that I played against in high school and stacked this team and took it to its first um, playoffs at, at this school. But I was only going there just because the Angels told me to stay in town and so they could watch me still develop. And then um, 
it just wasn't working out. Like I had pitched the game of my life and turned to my dad. Um, well, actually, I, I played that summer, went to Alaska to get away from it all, just to work. I just wanted to work, make money. So I was painting ships on dry dock. I was working at a gym selling memberships, and I was um, running a jackhammer on the weekends. Hustling. And the only reason why I was doing all these things was right when I got off the plane, um, these, I grabbed the newspaper, and I saw these guys playing ball in the newspaper, and went, these girls followed me in a car, in my taxi, and then they were like, who are you? And I said, can you give me a ride to this place? And I grabbed my glove and my cleats, and because that's what I knew. And um, they took me there, and these, these guys are like, are you a ball player? Who are you? And I said, I, I do. I play ball. And so they tried me out in a game. And um, I hit two home runs, and it was fast-pitch softball in Alaska, Ketchikan, Alaska. And they're like, what are you doing here? I said, I just came to work. And they went, well, he owns this, he owns this, he owns this. And what kind of work you want? What kind of pay you looking for? And I said, I came to work. And they're like, well, we practice three days a week. We play three games a week as well. And I'm like, again, I came to work. And they're like, come work for me. You'll be on the clock. You can clock in when we're playing and practicing, whatever. And I'm like, okay. So I even made their all-star team. We beat Canada in the championship. And really? it was, yeah, total blast. Like, um, you know, I'm, I'm 18, going on 19 years old. And then came back from Alaska and walked on a team. And, um, and walked on a college team and then pitched the best game of my life and came home to my dad and said, I can't do this for a living. This hurts. Like, I know it. In my heart, I'm done. This dream is over. When, when you say it hurts, it physically hurt? It, or it no, was... It, it was like it hurt me. It hurt my heart for the idea that I was giving up the only thing I knew. The only thing I knew was how to stand on that mound or how to stand at the plate and, and be the guy that I wanted. I wanted the ball in my hands or I wanted to be at the plate down two with bases loaded, whatever. I wanted to be that guy. And so many moments, you know, I can point out, oh, yeah, I, we were down and I hit, a, I hit a, a double and brought everybody in and then came in and struck out the side and game was over and I won the MVP of that tournament or I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can remember all these things and that's all I knew and it was gone. And I turned to my dad and said, I got to go after something else. And I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's not here. And my mom and dad, and, and um, they didn't know this about me until I did my podcast sitting in your seat. My mom watched uh, an episode and I said, uh, I jumped in my car with a little money in my pocket that I saved working for my uncle for three months. And I pulled into the Gold's Gym parking lot in North Hollywood at, at, at two in the morning. And when I woke up, I said, how much for a membership? They said 400 and some dollars for the year. I paid for that membership because I was going to give myself a year in Hollywood. And uh, I lived in that parking lot for three and a half months. And, really? Yeah. And I was like, my mom and dad didn't know. They didn't know that I went out there. I lived in the parking lot. I was, I was sleeping at night in the beginning till I tricked my way into getting a job at Jerry's Famous Deli. Never waited tables in my life. Um, it was hilarious. I walk in and I ask for a job and 
filled out an application and, and they didn't have a way to call me. I didn't have a phone. So I just kept going back. And like the third time I went back, this woman, she's pregnant with twins and she goes, come here, I need you to see something. And she shows me my application and it's all these notes from the girls that work there. I said, give him a job, you know, <laughs> give this, you know, hire this guy. And yep. she goes, that's from the first day that I, that I walked in and they, it was just sitting on her, you know, at the table. And she's like, so I'm glad you came in. Um, I'm going to give you a job. And I didn't know what Jewish food was. I didn't know what a matzo ball was. Nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and I lied and said I had experience and I didn't. And um, I waited tables there and became like the guy for three years. I, I was the best at it. No joke. Like I, I loved it. And my music career just, that's where it started was in that, in that space. It started in the deli. Yeah. And no, I'm not even kidding, man. Like, uh, when I say that it did, it did. Um, one of my childhood friends landed a TV show called The Guys Next Door. And uh, he was a wrestler on the USA team. And he got away from sports as well. And um, he landed a, a show. And uh, I went to go pick up his um, residual check. And the agent walks by. And, and her name was Natalie Rawson. And she said, you're not a client of mine. And I'm like, nope. No. And she's like, you an actor? And I said, no. She's like, don't go anywhere. She walks in the next room, comes out and hands me this piece of paper. And she said, this is a monologue. You ever seen Breakfast Club? I'm like, love that movie. She's like, okay, this is the, one of the monologues from there. Can you read this for me? And she goes, I'll give you like 15, 20 minutes, come in the office. And I went, sure. I got nothing to lose. And I did. And I went in. And she's like, okay, I'm going to send you on an audition tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm like, what? She's like, there's this woman. And I remember her name because she was so amazing. Her name is Barbara Libis. And she was an older lady back then. Um, her claim to fame was that she gave Kevin Costner his first um, job, speaking role, right? So okay. he put his office next. He has his office on Paramount Lot. Mm -hmm. Her office is right next door. So, and he pays for her space because she made his career. So I knew this going in and I read for her and she's like, oh my gosh, how long you been studying? And I said, oh, I've never done this. Like I, I just read for Natalie yesterday for the first time. She's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, no, she goes, okay, I'm bringing you back for producers. This is what we're going to do. And my career started there and it, it started right then. And, um, as an actor and, um, and I've been on Saved by the Bells and TV shows and, and, uh, and movies of the week and uh, soap operas and stuff. So I had climbed that ladder um, in acting all the way to William Morris as my agency, which is the top. That's the biggest. Sure. And I quit because music was, when you back that up, I was doing both simultaneously and how I fell into music was insane. Like it's, it's well, you don't even believe it. But. what's curious to me is like we hit all you know you grown up athletics being central yeah. but you started out with your dad yeah being in a band yeah leader of a band so clearly you've been around music your whole life like where was that from early on and because you're all the way up to like now you're getting the break where music is coming up right. but where did that start well music was a um 
music, my dad and my mom, I wrote a song called Backyard Family Barbecue. And because it was my dad and uncle, my uncle played guitar and he played a pawn shop guitar. When I say pawn shop guitar, it was his guitar, but he would pawn it for beer money, like randomly, and then get it back. You know, find a way, go shoot some horses or whatever, and then go get his guitar back. So any random day in our backyard, Tuesday, Friday, whatever, it would, somebody would bring over some beers. My uncle would be there with, the, he'd come from 30 minutes away, 40 minutes away from Vancouver into Salem. And my dad and he would be in the backyard playing. My dad's singing, playing spoons. My uncle's playing guitar. They never get through a song because they'd start laughing, make up lyrics, and then go on to the next song. And it would just turn into a little backyard family barbecue and the neighbors would come around and friends would come around. So I grew up around it and my mom was a big fan of fifties music and stuff. And, um, and then that bled into my brother. My brother became somebody who loved music and cause clearly he was a really great athlete and a really good football player, but he's trying to keep up with his big brother. And that to this day, he'll say was, that was his demise. Like, the kind of work he saw, well, I'm not going to work as hard as my brother to get these things. So I got to find something else. And so music was his thing. And um, then I had an, another uncle and a cousin chasing music. But my dad, I remember being seven, eight years old and we're at a wedding and somebody called my dad up to sing. And um, that was a mistake because as soon as they pulled my dad up to sing, everybody started paying attention at the wedding. And they, they, my, my mom's having to stand side of stage and mouth the words to him. I remember this because my dad's nervous and, he, and they're playing cover songs. And, and so he's looking at my mom for the right lyrics and then until he got comfortable. And I remember this. And then the band stops. We're going to take a break. And then they come back and nobody's paying attention. So they pulled my dad up again. Everyone started paying attention, but that's what, and then come to find out, my mom's like, oh, your dad does this all the time. Bands pull that up all the time to do a song because the whole room would light up, but he's this big Indian with this, all this charisma. And, uh, and so it was just one of those things that I noticed. And, um, to this day, I was just telling my girl this, um, I was a kid throwing a baseball in the basement against the wall and I was singing and my brother and my dad caught me and they start laughing and they went, ah, oh, Brian, just keep being pretty. Just throw that baseball, keep being pretty. And I went, okay, challenge accepted. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm the one who made a career out of it. And I'm the one who went off and played, I played the Rose Bowl, I've played, you know what I'm saying? Like I have done things and make a living doing music. But and how I got there is a whole nother story. But but um, so that's where the love of it came from. And they know this. They 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 both of them are so apologetic, but also like you're welcome. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. uh, but I remember that moment because there are defining moments in our lives that actually you go. You, you don't know it. It could be somebody walking through that door and saying something to you and I, like challenging us to like our podcasts are not going to be blah, blah, blah. And you're like, what? And this will be the moment that we're like, 
thinking of, you know, that, that defines who we are. That's credibility. Yeah. That's what this is all about. Yeah. It's those defining moments. It's how certain people respond to those. Not everyone responds. That. Most people don't respond that way. You've done it in all different areas of your life. Like the patterns there are absolutely amazing. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but, um, thanks man. Um, so back to the restaurant, um, and, you know, I've really not got into this. I've never sat down and, and talked about it. You know, I've talked to little nuggets, but, um, you know, my, my buddy was on a show, um, and my agents, Natalie Rawson, my brother's there. And one of our best friends from back home was, was moving to California. And when I say moving, they both showed up in the, in one car and said, where do we, where do we stand? And I'm like, that, that spot right next to me. They're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I don't have a place. I've been living in my car. So after two days of trying to do that with them, and I, by the way, I had $7,000 I had saved. It was in my car. So it wasn't that I didn't have money. It was that I didn't have the need to run off and go pay somebody to live somewhere when I was doing just fine. I could crash on a couch if I wanted to, if I needed to sleep in the daytime or watch someone's dog or cat in the day, because I worked from midnight to seven in the morning at night. So I worked at night. And then the daytime, the gym was my shower where I worked out. The movie theater in the parking lot was my TV and, and AC. And they got to know me there. So I buy one 250 ticket in the daytime and sleep in the chair for three, four hours. They just leave me alone. And they, they knew me. And so... I couldn't do that from with my brother and my friend. So I was like, God, oh, I'll, I'll go get us an apartment. And I, I just paid for an apartment and moved in. But so I go to a show and, um, it's at universal amphitheater up at universal. And, um, and it was like a kiss FM show. It's like all these artists on this bill and my agent got us the tickets and I get up to go to the bathroom and I literally got swarmed by a bunch of teenage and 20-something girls. Like, no joke. Security's yelling at me. Hey, man, you can't, can't be doing this. I'm like, I don't know who they think I am. I have no clue what's going on, man. Like, I'm just trying to go to the bathroom. So he sends me back to my seat. And I sit down and tell my brother what just happened. And my brother's like, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm, I'm serious. And we get up to leave. The show's over. And now it happens. And my agent's watching this. My buddies are watching this, my buddy Dan, and my brother is standing next to me. Now my brother is yelling at the security guard because they're yelling at me for causing this jam in the lobby of all these girls. And I don't know what the hell they want, right? So my brother takes my head and just runs me through the crowd, out the door, and then he goes, run this way, and we start running towards the buses. And a security guard's like, stop, stop, you can't come through here. And my brother's like, tell them that, because we're being chased like by 200 girls. And But what had happened was we tried to go across the bridge first, and mob mentality is when you're being chased, they just, everybody turns and starts running towards us. So now they're running across the bridge at us. Now we can't go across the bridge to get out, so we have to go left. Now we're being followed. They go over the fence. Dan goes over, Cody goes over. I go to jump over and I get grabbed and this girl, I'm like, what do you want? And she's like, give me a hug. You better go. 
So I hug her and I jump the fence and we get to the other side. And all I remember is these little wooden slats and all these girls screaming. And I'm like, this must be what the Beatles felt like. This is insane. <laughs> Our, my agent, Natalie, rolls up and she goes, get in the car. She goes, what just happened? And we're like, I don't know. Like, I have no idea what just happened. So she had called me the very next day and she said, um, do you play guitar, sing or anything? And I'm like, no. My dad does, my brother does, you know, cousin, uncle. I don't, I don't do music. And I didn't. And, and this is at what age? I'm 20, uh, 21, okay. 21 years old. And um, I'm like, no, I, I don't do that. And so uh, maybe five weeks goes by and I go out to Ventura County and there was a show out there and it's another radio station show. And uh, I'm in the audience and it starts to happen again. So security comes and grabs me and takes me and sticks me in a hallway. I'm standing in the hallway by myself. And I'm like, I'm going back to my seat. And they're like, no, you're not. You're a disruption to the show. And it's two shows. There's a show in the daytime and a show at nighttime. And, um, and in the daytime show, this, this was a daytime show. Um, it's about 2,200 people in this theater. And, uh, and they stick me in the hallway. And then tell this guy comes, walks towards me, and he has a, a, a lanyard, like a pass, right? And uh, I... You've seen him on TV, but I've never had one put on me. And he puts it on me and he goes, uh, do you sing? Who, who are you? I'm like, no, I, 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 don't know why, I don't know why that's going on. This, this is new, right? And he said, uh, so you're an actor? I'm like, no, again, I don't know. Like, he goes, well, can you remember this? And he rattles off Rainbow Girls, a certain song, their label, where they're from. Can you remember this? And that's all I remember, like the Rainbow Girls part. And I went, why? And he goes, because this guy's bombing. And I won't tell you who it is because he's a big Vegas act now, but he was young, <laughs> he was young back then. And okay. um, they called him off the stage and, and said, give him the mic. And he's, he, was, he was literally like, fuck what? you. He's like, and he just left. And he's like, I got paid. And he left. And they're like, well, now you better get this because they just lost the host. And so I grab it and I walk out on stage and there's two spotlights. Whoop right on me and i just like yo how's it going everybody starts screaming and i'm like my name's brian and then screaming and i'm like you having a good time and then i'm like hey wait a minute turn off those spotlights i can't see anyone and i'm turning off spotlights so i can see this crowd and in that moment i went oh this is where i need to be but i didn't earn this this is not something i have earned yet and i have to find a way to be here, this is where I'm supposed to be. And I hosted the rest of that concert and I hosted the nighttime concert and they, they couldn't even, when I tried to get to my car, I couldn't get to my car. They had to send a PA out to drive my car to the hotel, <laughs> stick me in a car with the other artists and drive me to the hotel. And they said, we can't pay you, we paid so-and-so and we give you a hotel room, free food, whatever you want to drink. It's the whole fourth floor. We bought the whole fourth floor, it's one big party. And I went, wow. And so my whole goal from that moment on was how do I get here? How do I earn this? And um, I'm at Jerry's Deli and I'm waiting tables and I'm walking from the front to the back. And this guy grabs my arm and he goes, hey, what's your name? I said, Brian. He goes, you a singer? I said, no. He goes, that's funny. You've been singing, walking past me all night long. We need to talk. And his name was Alan Savori. 
And uh, he's a big artist. He's produced a bunch of people now. And uh, he was young at the time. And we wrote our first song together. And I ended up getting signed to a production deal with a guy named Mars Lazar, who was working on a, an album with Seal, for Seal's first album with a guy named Trevor Horn. So those guys signed me, put me in the studio, and um, wrote three songs, and that's how I started my music career. And, uh, and I wanted more. I, I, this is who I am. This is how I am. Mm -hmm. Through the glass. I'm in a studio that I can't pay for. They're doing it all. I'm just singing and, and you know, doing songs that I wrote, co-wrote with them. And, and I had met Seal and, and Easy E's in the next room. You know what I'm saying? We're at this studio. And I hear them say, he's just going to be a recording artist. We, we'll record him. This guy has a great look. We can blah, 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 blah. We don't have to worry about him playing live. And I'm like, they don't know that that's where I deserve to be. That's where the universe told me, this is where I'm supposed to be, and I'm going to earn that. So that didn't fly with me that day. And I remember seeing that. And um, I found myself seeing these guys playing in a park one day and walked up to them, come to find out they lived in my building, my apartment building. And um, they said, we're looking for a singer. And I said, I'll audition for you. And they're a band. And, um, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know who that guy was, George old man liver. Yes. Old man liver. Steven, Steven Stotts. Uh, he, my, he has a podcast here, which is crazy. I brought him in as a guest and now he has a podcast and wow. he's got a whiskey and all these things, but he was this young guy in college. And, um, I ended up auditioning for his band and got the gig and said, see ya to this whole other thing and being a recording artist i didn't want it i oh, want so you you walked away from the studio from seal from i walked away from that 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 production deal i honored it okay. let them do whatever they were going to do with it yep but then went after this band thing and i found myself um on stage um it was crazy. Like I knew I was not good enough, but for some reason the room kept, was full. Like I would go play and the, the room was full. I ran into a guy before the pandemic happening. Harry, that's what he goes by. And he sees my tour bus out at Nam. Nam's going on right now in LA. It's a big music convention. All the musicians come from all over and he sees my tour bus outside and he goes, this is you? I said, yeah. He goes, I know this band. I'm like, oh, I appreciate it. That's cool. I go, my first show ever was playing for you. My first time stepping on a show or a stage live was playing for you at the Ice Tie Cafe. And he's like, wow. Yeah, I remember that. You were not good. That's what he said. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, my girl was standing there. She's like, well, it, that was rude. And he goes, but... I love your band now. He goes, wow, talk about putting in the work. Mm. And, uh, and I knew it then. My brother's like, no, you weren't bad, man. Like, people wouldn't keep coming back. They saw something in you. There was something there. He just was comparing you, you know, here, and he didn't understand why. All the, he kept booking you. I'm like, I know. I kept filling the room. But I just, I knew that I had to get better. And uh, each time, 
each time there was a, my my whole life is made up of I say that my spirit animals is a turtle because I just got pointed in a direction and I was going around it, under it, over it, whatever. And this is this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. And I'm enjoying this journey. And when it when it changes and I have to pivot, that's all right. That's where most people quit. Mm. When there's a pivot that happens, they they don't know how to pick it up and 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 move forward from that. And things have changed. Acting, I stopped acting to pursue music heavily. I've been through multiple bands and these pivots only made me better each time. I'm playing the Rose Bowl when my bandmate was like, hey, here's a brand new song. I just wrote this. I remember it was called Shannon. And I remember the sprinklers are going off on the, on the Rose Bowl grass. And I'm like, man, I never earned it to be here as an athlete, but I'm playing it today. It's like 30,000 people that I'm getting to play to. This is incredible. And he goes, I think I'm going to quit after today. This is a way to go out. The label doesn't want us to, if they're not going to pay for another album, I'm not going to tour another year on this record. And I went, don't tell the guys. Okay, but let's just enjoy today. And we did. And that turned into um, me borrowing, borrowing a guitar from a friend and writing three songs and I started this whole new thing and I ended up, it was the best thing that ever happened to me in my life. And my whole career just took off. New pivot. New pivot, that's what I'm saying. And instead of being down and out and bummed and whatever, and even in my dressing room that same day, I had Ray Liotta I'm eating dinner with at that show. Really? No joke, man. Like a, a soccer ball comes flying over and explodes his fucking, excuse my language, <laughs> his spaghetti just goes all over him right yeah and he does that ray leota laugh and it's on me but it's not my stage clothes <laughs> and i'm like he goes anybody got a shirt i'm like yeah i got a band shirt throw a band shirt on him and um and how jay and silent bob remember that show uh sure. the clerks yeah um this was when jay was not sober he's sober now but um i remember he and his girl in my in my bathroom in the locker room which was my dressing room coming out like sliding down the wall i'm like they just shot up drugs like mm. and for me it was like i was in a movie you know what i'm saying like this is weird because i don't do drugs i've never been around it i i avoid those moments and i couldn't kick out the celebrity out of my room you know uh and he just wanted to be around us because we're the band you know what i'm saying so he's just hanging with us thinking it's a cool thing i'm like nah man i'm I don't need you here, you know, doing that. Well, normally it's the rock stars. Yes, exactly. That are, that are partying, right? Yeah. Which, I mean, throughout this, again, you made that decision at age eight. Yeah. I'm amazed that, you know, you were able to maintain that clarity, hold fast on that decision. It's not something I struggle with. Yeah. I struggle with wanting to eat a piece of cake or something <laughs> more than I do anything. I you know what it. I'm saying? Like, yep. uh, or... It, those kinds of things. I don't struggle with that. That's not an issue. It's a non, it's people go, Oh, wow. I'm, I'm so happy for you. I'm proud of you. And I'm like, thanks. You don't have to be. It's not something that is a, it's something I deal with. Dream, and I believe 
It's coming around, it's coming around to me.